so naturally I'm a person who loves research and I try to include research in everything that I do but I guess for the sake of time and then for the sake of effort that I want to put into this I'm going to spare the research and I'm going to provide all of the I think what's called anecdotal evidence or just my experiences starting from childhood I know a lot of people who come to understand that they're come to understand yeah or know that they are autistic um and later on in life so receiving a late diagnosis or a late discovery um try to recant things from childhood some people ask their parents some people ask other family members what they remember about them unique things like some people didn't learn to talk until they were five or six or rather didn't not learn to but didn't express verbally until a later age um that wasn't me but i do want to recant my childhood with you if you would like or if it would please you because that's one of the first things that i did when i started to question whether or not i was actually autistic was look at myself from my childhood and you know just kind of compare and juxtapose the actual supporting data um, of, you know, signs of autism in children. And so I wrote down a few things and I just want to talk about them. So the first thing that I remembered that was extremely um, consistent and um, something to um, not forget was how much I cried or how many meltdowns I had. And I had them at least once a month. And they mostly happened when my mother, who was the person that I absolutely clung to as a child, whenever we would be out of each other's space. So if me, my sister, and my brother, mother, sister, or whoever spent the night at my grandmother's house or my great-grandmother's house or my aunt's house, I would cry all night everyone else would be asleep and my grandmother or my great-grandmother would be up trying to console me giving me the phone so that I can call my mother and to this day like I know my home phone number from my childhood by heart I still know it <clears throat> that's how much I call my mom and that's also how much I love numbers and have a thing for numbers but I cried all the time I had meltdowns all the time because it was too much for me to handle being with my mother at nighttime. It was too much for me to handle. Um, this is well beyond like toddler stage, like four or five years old crying. Even though I was with my siblings or my cousins spending a night at other people's houses, it wasn't, it just wasn't the move for me. So that was like the one thing that I, you know, it's kind of like, stands out to me from my childhood another thing was how much of a loner I was slash am um I, I I mean I play with other children but I didn't play with other children much like I had my first my circle of my close-knit cousins who I would play with but if their cousins came around or if our extended family or whoever other people came around I would push back a little bit and just kind of do the recluse thing and 
go find my mom and go sit with my mom because it, it was too much for me to handle all of these new people. And uh, it was very uncomfortable for me. It is like that to this day. Like if I have a person that I know and we go out somewhere and they bring someone that they know and I'm not prepared for it mentally, if I'm not, you know, given a warning for it beforehand, it's a lot for me to handle. Um, and I've done such a great job at masking. I don't, you know, express that very much, but that's that's going to be another episode, masking in adulthood and teenage teenage years. Um, another thing from childhood was, um, I was academically gifted and I put air quotes around that. Um, even though I was, um, I had an an advanced, um, reading speed and reading comprehension skill and spelling comprehension skill, um, that I was placed in academically gifted classes. And, uh, I, I mean, I love school still to this day. I love all things academics and things like that but um this is something that's very popular amongst um uh, a specific group if you will of autistic people I don't want to say high functioning because I don't believe in high functioning autism um but there's a there's a different group or subset of autistic people who um, have a history of being in academically gifted classes because the way that the autistic brain works is a little bit different than, or actually a lot bit different than the holistic um, brain works or the neurotypical brain works, if you will. So that was another thing. Um, um, and it was just like a part of that, like academic thing. I self-taught my, I self, I was self-taught. Um, I was able to do sign language because I taught it to myself for fun. We had a VHS um, on, it was both a book and it was a VHS on American Sign Language. And I taught it to myself and it was a blast. I know the letters to this day, but I, I know I say how my name is X, Y, and Z or, you know, whatever. But that's about it. Um, like I said, I clung to my mom when I was a kid. That was just my safe haven. That was my safe space. My dad, me and my dad had a great relationship when I was a baby as well, as a kid as well. But um, it was just this relationship that I had with my mom that was different. Like if she would go off for work at 5 or 6 a.m. and I have to wake up at 7 a.m. For, for, for school and my mom's not there, it would be a long morning because I'll be crying because I will want my mom. Um, and I guess like a part of that emotional... <sighs> that emotional specificity or how how it was emotionally i prefer to be around old people and it is like that to this day i love old people i don't know if that's appropriate to say but <laughs> i love old people they just make me feel more comfortable um some old people i do feel like i still need to mask around um but old people who are really like chill and like low stimulus they'll watch the news with the volume on level three like i can get with that all day every day i can get with that um also part of this empathetic and this emotional um i want to say aptitude i don't know if aptitude is the right word but a part of my emotional um makeup I had this special connection with animals 
um, I remember I had to be like maybe four or five, maybe three. And it was a day where all the kids were outside playing. And of course I was by myself. And um, there was this boy who lived in the neighborhood who I was attracted to physically. But, you know, boys were not attracted to me <laughs> in my childhood, even through my teenage years. I don't know. Boys were not really attracted to me. They mostly paid attention to other women in my family. Um, and in this case, one my sister, him and my sister had a crush on each other. And he was riding through the, sh- the sh- down the street on his bike very fast. And he almost ran over this cat and I jumped to save the cat and I held the cat in my arms and I was telling him, I yelled at him, I was like, slow down or something like that. Um, and that was another instance and this, I'm not making this story up. My fiance believes I made this story up. <laughs> I'm not making this story up. My cat, one of my cats, I had several cats. One of my cats got set on fire by my neighbor. I'm not lying. My cat got set on fire by my neighbor. And I had just came home from school and everybody was outside and the cat ran and jumped in my arms. I believe we had to take the cat to the vet and put him down. I don't remember, but I just remember having that connection with kittens and cats when I was a a child and dogs loved them so much. I could just really vibe. I could really connect. I could really feel animals and I felt like that I could trust animals with my emotions and with the totality of who I am I could trust animals in that regard and I still I still do to this day and I think a lot of autistic children and even adults um have this um special connection with animals and I think it's because animals don't judge like animals are not partial like they they just are who they are if they rock with you they do if they don't they don't and and they're soft and they're loving and they're forgiving and they're just loyal. They're all of these things that an autistic person needs. And I think that's why autistic people vibe with animals so much. Um, not all autistic people. Anything I say on here is never definitive to and applicable to everyone in the autistic community. It's not realistic because autism is a spectrum. Please keep that in mind. And if it ever seems like I'm trying to apply one thing to all autistic people, I'm not doing that. Except for the fact that all artistic, all, all autistic people are autistic. That's it. That's the only thing I will ever generally apply to the autistic population. Um, moving on. Another thing was the way that I what I thought and I think still visually. And I thought this was normal. I thought it was unique, but I also thought it was normal growing up. My parents' cars had faces that looked just like them. My mother had a Nissan Maxima that looked just like her. The way that the cheeks were on the car, the eyes of the car, the smile of the car looked just like my mother's face. My dad's truck looked just like his face. It even matched his personality. Rusty. Matched his personality the the ah uh, the cheeks were like full like my dad's cheeks oh my gosh it's so crazy that I, that my mind can think of it that way and i don't know if this is a normal thing or not but i know that this is something that i absolutely enjoy being able to see things like this and visualize things like that 
and just see the humanity in inanimate objects or non-human things. Another example is trees. I remember this tree on the, because I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I remember this tree um, um, that ran down Bessemer Superhighway. And one day it was raining outside and we're passing by this tree that I see all the time, that I saw all the time rather. And that, that tree is still there to this day, but it doesn't look the same. But the day that I saw the tree, the tree was leaning over. And I thought to myself, the tree is sad. That tree is weeping. And so that's just another example of how I see the human, the humanity in non-human things. Um, a part of my personality as a child was also that I was very shy. I mentioned that I, I played with a select number of kids. Um, I was also very shy. Um, and yeah, I didn't really speak much unless I really knew you. And if I didn't really know you, you weren't like the most you would got would have gotten was like a wave. And then I would just like disappearance to my mother's clothing or something like that. Um, so yeah, and I don't know, like some of the main things that I remember from my childhood that um, are distinct and likely indicative of autism. And the last thing I wanted to talk about, but I'm not going to go into grave detail. I don't think it's appropriate to do so. And I'm also not... 100% comfortable enough to do so was, is rather, um, inappropriate play and an inappropriate, um, expression of my sexual self. And the most that I can speak to this will be from a research perspective is that, um, autistic girls, uh, have a well, in this in this one study, right? I don't want to generalize it to all in the population, but um, in this one study, autistic girls had earlier sexual experiences um, and more unique sexual experiences than the um, males or the boys in this one study. And as I was reading this study, I was thinking about how I behaved sexually as a child, not as a teenager, as a child, how I behaved sexually. And for years before I even, you know, thought I could be autistic for years, I was asking myself and asking my counselors, like, why would I do the things that I did? Why did those things happen? Why, 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 why is not normal it's it's not it's not normal i don't have any um memory of being abused sexually um and so i, I didn't i don't understand um didn't understand rather why i um expressed my sexual desires or my sexual self the way that i did in my childhood and the only thing that explains it is um so far for me is autism and um children 
and an inappropriate display of um, their sexual self. So I won't go into detail, like I said, but um, they're just one of the more stand out things that stand out the most when I recant or recollect on my childhood. So, yeah, I mean, that's just that's a part of it. That's a that's a that's a small glimpse of you know, my childhood, and because that is as much as I can remember, oh, oh, yeah, one more thing, one more thing, um, I remember, and I'm smiling now, because now it's something that I've come to enjoy, and love, and appreciate, because of how um, unique it is, is that as a kid, when I was away from my, my mother, my father, I was called difficult a lot, even into my teenage years, and my adult years, I'm called difficult a lot because I don't want to do what everyone else is doing or I want to I do think about things differently or I react to things differently. And so as a kid, I was called difficult a lot because I wasn't like my cousins and my sisters and my brother. I just I was just me and I believe I was autistic and you know it it just came off as difficult. That was the best way to describe it. So yeah, that's another thing, like a huge thing. As I retrospectively look at myself through the um, autistic lens, if you will. So yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to process things as an adult who is black and possibly on the spectrum.